There is no roadmap for what is happening in the world today, but the more informed you are, the better your chances are for successfully navigating these uncertain times. This is why the registry continues to bring its real estate news coverage to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We can only do this because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at the registrysf.com in San Francisco and at the registryps.com in Seattle. Today, I sit down with a great friend of the registry, Jack Seymour, who has been a generous contributor to our news efforts through a series called Transwestern Startup Stories. Jack works at the San Francisco office of Transwestern in the real estate advisory role and has been on the front lines of connecting with early stage companies across the Northern California region. So welcome to the mic, Jack. We are excited to collaborate with you in this new medium. People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything with an easy reach, whether it's world-class restaurants, theater, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among other industry leaders and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result? An unbeatable combination that leads to success. And that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at www.hacienda.org. TalkDesk is the cloud contact center for the customer obsess with a bold mission to end bad customer service for the world. TalkDesk is revolutionizing the customer service market by offering the industry's first and only modern global end-to-end customer experience solution. Combining enterprise performance with consumer simplicity, TalkDesk easily adapts contact center operations to the evolving needs of both customers and customer service teams, resulting in higher customer satisfaction, productivity, and cost savings. Over 1,800 innovative companies around the world, including IBM, Axiom, 2U, Trivago, and Peloton, rely on TalkDesk to make customer experience their competitive advantage. Founded in 2011, after winning a Twilio-hosted hackathon, Founders Christina Fonseca and Tiago Paiva were then invited to join 500 Startups' third batch. They raised $450,000 in 2011 and performed at TechCrunch Disrupt in New York in 2012. Today, TalkDesk has over seven global offices, over 1,000 employees, and as of July, a market valuation over $3 billion on the back of its $143 million Series C round of funding. So today, Vlad and I are lucky enough to be speaking with Shauna Garrity. Shauna is the Senior Vice President of People and Operations at TalkDesk. Thanks for chatting with us today, Shauna. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. 
So perhaps you can kick us off by providing a little background on your time at TalkDesk and some of your roles and responsibilities today as someone that has worn quite a few hats over the years. Yeah, sure. So I joined TalkDesk back in 2012 and I was the first U.S. employee I was also the first non-technical hire that they made. And um, initially, I was really heads down focused on building out our, our marketing team and infrastructure. Um, and then I transitioned to run our talent organization in 2016. And um, since then, have assumed roles um, that span global talent acquisition, global facilities and real estate global HR, global IT, and global executive operations. Um, and so today, TalkDesk currently has over a 1,000 employees, and we're in seven um, regions across the globe, and um, really excited about kind of the, the new environment that we're operating in because our product allows companies um, to support employees and in, in working wherever that wherever they choose. All employees need in order to use our product is a computer and internet. And Shauna, this is Vlad. Uh, how did you come to the organization? What attracted you uh, to it? And you know, what was the opportunity that that you know you saw there for the for the future? It's a great question. I actually was um, in the middle of my doctorate career, and I um, just happened to meet our founders, Tiago and Christina, um, when they had moved to Silicon Valley. So they just um, had this great idea, moved to Silicon Valley, had joined 500 startups, and um, had joined you know, with the intent to continue to build the product, but also um, to start to build their go-to-market strategy. And part of that was building a website. So um, I met through friends of friends and um, decided that it would be an interesting challenge for me to take on, you know, nights and weekends in addition to my, my doctorate career. And that evolved into, um, you know, really kind of falling in love with that. So I, I remained on board part-time nights and weekends for the first two years. And then in 2014, when I graduated, I received my doctorate. Talk Desk was in this critical inflection point where uh, we had just secured our seed round of funding. We were scaling our sales organization, and I was still the only one in the marketing team. And so I decided to switch, to come on board full time and pursue a part time nights and weekends doctorate. And at that point, that's really where I focused on um, scaling the marketing organization within Talk Desk. That's great. Um, so, Shauna, I just want to I want to dig into the people side of the business for a moment um, and talk about talent acquisition and retention there at TalkDesk. Um, so, obviously, you know we're all challenged today with the remote work and remote workplace planning. In general, how has this adjustment been for TalkDesk? Yeah, so it was it was a really interesting experience from from our perspective, right? So we had a thousand global employees, you know, the majority of them were working from an office or primarily from an office. We only had about 30% of our U.S. based workforce that were uh, working in remote capacity. And we had to make a very quick decision because some of our offices were in locations that were impacted initially or early on by COVID. Um, so San Francisco, London, even Portugal. And so we had to make a decision very quickly. I, I say overnight, but there, there was a lot of thought that it went into the decision. Um, so we basically asked all of our employees globally to transition to work from home um, with, with one email, one conversation. And it, it went surprisingly well. 
I think, um, you know, we we made that decision based on a number of factors. First is to protect the, the health and safety of our employees. But we also knew that they were very capable of maintaining high levels of productivity because we had such a dispersed workforce and everything that we did historically was cloud-based, right? So all of our collaboration, all of our systems and processes and tools, everything was done in the cloud. And so we already had that core infrastructure to make that transition. And then the final component, which I think is really important, is is um, two of our of our company values are move fast and do whatever it takes. Um, so not only are we selecting talent, you know, to bring into the organization based on those values, but we're reinforcing behaviors that are aligned with those values. And so we knew that our our workforce would be able to successfully make that that adjustment. And so there were a number of things that we did to help facilitate it. But I think overall, it's been fairly smooth, um, this this initial transition. Right. And talking about the acquisition of that new talent, as it looks as though TalkDesk is going into you know, Q3, Q4 of this year in, in growth mode still. Um, mm-hmm. On last check, it looked like you had, you know, 119 worldwide open positions posted. How many of these positions do not and will not require an employee to be on site post-COVID, would you say? And has that percentage of remote positions increased as a result of COVID? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great question. So, one of the things that that we understood throughout this transition is that our our team is is absolutely capable of of maintaining high levels of productivity, cohesion, collaboration in, in this new remote setting. And so what that did is that allowed us to unlock, you know, the possibility to open every single new role remote. So you're right, we're, we're still scaling um, at, at hyper growth pace. Our forecast is, is that of what it was pre-COVID, right? So we are, you know, scaling at the same pace that we had committed to the business back in February. Um, and as of right now, all of the roles that we have posted online um, can be 100% remote, which means if we bring this talent into the organization or remote location, we'll never require that they physically work from a from an office again. Um, they can choose to in the future should there be an office that's regionally located next to them, but we wouldn't require it. And when you think about hiring and bringing on that new talent, um, how would you compare the challenges associated, you know, with the hiring process pre-COVID versus post-COVID? Yeah, it's a great question. So we um, so we had about thirty percent of our U.S. based workforce in remote positions. So we we play in, in the enterprise sector and in enterprise sales, especially in SaaS. You typically have the enterprise AEs within the region within fields. So we had about thirty percent of our team already there. Um, so we had a process that was conducive to interviewing remotely for all of those candidates. We always conducted the entire interview in a remote capacity, and so essentially what we did is we took that same structure and process and we just extrapolated to all roles globally. Now, there was somewhat of an adjustment, you know, on our R&D organization, we'd love to do, um, you know, whiteboarding challenges. And so that's not something that's easily transferable over a Zoom call. But we, we spent some time to think about how we can make that transition to ensure that we can assess talent effectively completely over Zoom. I think on the other on the other hand, so so that that like in some that transition was pretty straightforward. But I do think there are significant advantages that have been unlocked now that we've made this decision to hire in remote locations. The first that comes to mind is you are now unlocking a very 
a diverse talent pool, right? Because you're no longer constrained by the geography of the office. Um, and what that means is we've, we've seen a, a huge increase or uptake in our top of the funnel activity, but also we've seen a lot more velocity in our funnel Um, which translates to a a shorter time to hire. Shauna, Vlad again. So as you look at the uh, employees kind of going forward, I mean, how do you gauge their sentiment in terms of, you know, where they want to work and how they want to work? Obviously, short term, we're all affected by the pandemic and and kind of what what it means to us and how it impacts our lives. But do, do you guys see that as um, as kind of a long term um, you know solution also? And then are are you using any data to track that? Yeah, it's a great question. So the way we broke it down is um, again we knew that we had to make a very quick decision, um, and so that that decision was grounded in, in fundamental data that I that I covered previously. But in order to help support that decision, we knew that we needed to put into place um, these fundamental I call them li- listening mechanisms. So not only um, surveys, so we use CultureAmp as our survey tool, but also what we decided to do was create a um, task force that has essentially three pillars. Um, The first pillar is HR. The second is a steering committee, which are executives from our HR organization um, and some of our other core um, organizations across across the, the company. Um, and then we have a third tier that essentially is the, the part of the, the organization that's embedded within the company. So we've selected individuals that represent different different levels within the organization, different geos, different teams. And we've tasked them with major components that uh, of, of what's required for this successful transition. So things like reimagining a new office space, supporting teams with unique tools. And the whole, the whole idea of the premise is based on our idea of thinking about how we can optimi- optimize collaboration, communication, and cohesion in this new environment. And so what we've done is we've we've sent out those surveys, which we're taking a really quantitative data driven approach. And then we've also compiled that task force that that's able to surface some of the more qualitative factors that we can use to inform our strategy, both short and long term. Right. And so a lot of the things that we're trying to do now are, are, are release programs, tools um, and support to our employees that will help benefit them in the short term, but also thinking about uh, developing our long term strategy, which we've committed to our employees um, to release in February. Yeah. Are you giving are you giving certain teams the flexibility to kind of choose their own path? Yeah, well, so there are there will be so there will be company wide solutions and team based solutions, right? So um, there are certain things that are important to an engineering organization that might not be as important to a talent organization, say. So uh, that's where that this the steering committee comes in. Um, we're assessing the team based needs and and surfacing those team based needs. There are also what's interesting that that we found from the survey. There are also level-based differences and geo-based differences, right? So there's more of a need for that face-to-face connection or cohesion within certain geos and certain levels within the organization and less of a need in others. So um, we're trying to take a a very comprehensive approach to understanding our employees um, and what they need both short-term and long-term and drive um, a strategy from from that data and information that that's able to meet their needs. Yeah, as you as you look at you know the work of your steering committee that that you just mentioned and and as they sort of canvas what's happening around the world. So for instance, you know Twitter said you know you can work remotely for the rest of your life if you want. 
Google and Facebook, I think, have pushed into next summer at least, right? Mm -hmm. Are are there certain models that are emerging that maybe resonate with you guys more than others? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the the models that we're considering are um, taking, allowing that flexibility, right, for employees who, who choose not to return to an office, the flexibility to allow them to make that decision. We also are thinking through strategies for the other components. Would there be an opportunity for a hybrid type solution? So individuals that like to work from an office, you know, a couple days a week or maybe a day a week. And then furthermore, thinking about other, you know, more sustainable, I, I call them sustainable solutions. So co-working opportunities and opportunities to leverage a workspace when there's, let's say, a team offsite or a planning session that's needed. So doing so on an as-needed basis versus a more permanent basis. So those are those are some of the the considerations that we have right now on the table. Yeah. And are you, I mean, I, I imagine this is going to be one of those things where not one size fits all kind yeah. of deal, right? Which is usually how most of these uh, you know, corporate spaces are, you know, designed anyway. So, uh, you know, how, how are you seeing this evolve, you know, among your peers in other, in other companies, right? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing, you know, maybe help us understand sort of what is the spectrum of kind of how the uh, different folks are approaching it? If, if you have that kind of information. Yes, yeah, so we've been talking a lot. A lot of the the intelligence that we're gathering right now are from other um, CEOs, other talent leaders, workplace leaders, to think about what's what's important to their employees and what are some of the um, strategies that they're considering. I think the the one core tenet that's true across all conversations is that traditional offices, as as we know them today, they've changed and they probably have changed forever, right? And so we're thinking about um, increasing density, increasing, you know, wor- workplace health and safety measures. Thinking about how we can provide that opportunity for our employees um, to be safe within the workplace, but also engage with the people or engage with the workplace the way that they used to. So that is, you know, they came to work for, you know, to see their colleagues, to be able to collaborate on a whiteboard, um, to be able to enjoy those perks. So how can we do that in this new environment? And and that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge to think through. I do think that most people are, are approaching this situation with a lot of creativity, with an open mind, and also thinking that it's going to be very fluid. So as risk or perception of risks evolves, they are they are mindful to continue to pulse their employees and, and also assess that from like a, a legal standpoint and the health and safety standpoint yeah. and, um, you know, adjust their approach based on that. Yeah. And if I could just ask one more follow up yeah. with respect to that, uh, what about your corporate culture? You know, how do you yeah. deal with that? I imagine that's going to be one of the biggest challenges also. It is. is. So, um, you know, we knew right away that this transition, we had to be intentional, right? So we had to think about how do we now increase collaboration, cohesion and communication in this in this new environment. And there is there is there's no playbook, right? There's no company that had to switch overnight that we can draw from. There are companies that have successfully built fully remote work forces that had hybrid models. And so what we're trying to do is learn um, from them, but also as quickly as possible, collaborate and, and figure out what's working in, in other organizations that are similar to TalkDesk. Yeah. Shauna, that's great. Uh, this is Jack again. So, you know, you, you touched on, you know, obviously the, the workplace or the physical workplace being the office, as we know it, perhaps is never going to be the same. 
Um, and obviously, you know, the work from home or remote workforces is more than just a trend today, obviously. But perhaps, you know, are there some trends that have merged, emerged over the last, you know, four or five months that you've seen, perhaps that, you know, you think will be forgotten eventually? Yeah, so um, I think you know, there are things that have changed and I think probably have changed forever. Um, so I think there's just more of an acceptance of this kind of notion of work-life blend. Um, so what might be forgotten is the notion of, you know, the nine to five, if you're not in the office at nine, staying until five and, you know, um, you know, heads down working that you're not a good employer, you're not a productive employee. I think that's, that's, that, that idea has probably changed forever. I also think that people have developed a, a really comprehensive understanding of how personal experiences impact professional lives, right? So every single person, you know, had had to go through this transition, which by definition creates stress, right? It creates stress within their personal lives. And that stress typically has been shielded from the professional lives. But in this new circumstance, it hasn't been, right? There's been more of a fluid process and more of a, a willingness for employees to disclose that. So I think that that, that is um, something that probably is going to be left in the past, that that frank kind of um, understanding of how personal experiences should not impact our professional lives. Mm. And then my personal favorite, because I, I do have a doctorate in clinical psychology, is I think that people have developed a much better understanding of how mental illness uh, mental health and stress in particular impacts productivity within the workplace. I also have seen a, a you know, much, much larger or increase in people's acceptance of that, uh, but also acceptance in their, their willingness to discuss these topics within, within the workplace, which historically was not necessarily welcomed um, to the full extent. So I think that's a great change that people are open and willing to have these discussions to talk about how um, it does impact, you know, productivity and impacts the workplace and then engage in proactive solutions and stress management techniques, uh, but also in, in solutions that help support the, the workplace. And I think the final one is pretty obvious, but most companies, if they were using technology or, or solutions that require infrastructure, hardware, so an on-premise solution, they're now shifting to solutions that are fully cloud-based. Um, because if, if they didn't have a business continuity plan in place, or if they didn't leverage, um, you know, all cloud-based applications, that became very apparent with this transition. Right. And um, I'm sure that they that they they ran into gaps because of that. And so now I think that's accelerated a lot of the buying cycles in the in the cloud um, in the cloud software space. So those are so those are some of the things, the key takeaways that I think um, the things that have changed, some of the things that will probably be left behind. Yeah, that's great. I think, um, you know, you touched on some great points there with regards to, you know, new trends or, or new new functions um, on how we're going to be you know, and how companies will be operating moving forward. Just to finish off, what are you optimistic about, um, you know, moving forward here? What what excites you about what's come out of all this? I think one of the things um, that I think is, has been the greatest advantage is this, this flexibility um, that it provides us in our personal lives. So, 
I think for the first time, people can now make decisions about where where they'd like to live. And it's no longer based on proximity to the office or a commute, right? They can do they can make these decisions based on personal preferences, lifestyle choices, proximity to family, life satisfaction. So I have a, a strong belief and hope that that will significantly impact life satisfaction and, and overall productivity within the workplace. So I'm I'm hopeful for this for this this new world. I'm I'm excited about this change, and I do think that that's that is that is an absolute upside that we've been able to appreciate from this transition. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, Shauna. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate um, your insights here. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic connecting with you and you know uh, hearing what it's been like you know with boots on the ground. Yeah, no, it's great. Thank you so much for for putting this together. I, I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Shauna. Stay safe. All right. Yeah, you too. Take care.